0: Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast and for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Pastor Larry encourages us, encouraged us last week about our lives, about generosity, and today's message is called A Little Becomes A Lot. A little becomes a lot. And I want to just share with you just a testimony of my life. Just, just last week, uh, actually the week before this, I was going in and getting my hair cut and just hanging out, doing what I normally do, going there, they're trimming my hair. And this lady said, the, the, the lady who's doing my hair said, So what are you doing after this? And it just happened to be on a Wednesday. And I was getting ready to go with my wife and our kids to go get passports for our kids to be able to go to Mexico. We're going to try and send our whole team down, or our family, yeah, it's a team, um, <laughs> our whole family down this summer on a missions trip, and we're trying to do a, a family trip for some graduation. And so we were getting passports for our three youngest. And she said, oh, that's, that's cool. Why are you getting passports for your kids? I said, well, um, I'm a part of a community of people that loves to go down to Mexico. And we, we take time every summer to go down and work with a women's and children's shelter and build homes for, for people. And this lady just said, I, I had no idea that people did that. And I said, oh, I said, I, I probably understated that. I said, I get to be a part of a community of people that not only like doing that, they pay their own way to go every year. They're praying about and looking forward to this opportunity. And this lady, it was hilarious. She was cutting my hair, but she was like staring in the mirror at my face, which probably was horrific for her. But she was staring in the mirror at my face, and, and you could just see in her, her mind going, What in the, what, it, who does that kind of stuff? And the words came out of her mouth, Who does that kind of stuff? I said, Extraordinary people. Extraordinary people. And I got to take a moment there and just share with her how God's love has transformed our lives as a church community. I said, you know, we, we love going overseas and we love doing those things, but we love doing stuff right here in our community. And she said, I don't know that I've ever met anybody like that. And I said, you're surrounded by them. I said, you're surrounded. You, you probably don't know it, but you're surrounded by amazing people like that in life. And I, and I had told her that day, I said, God just allowed me today to get to come and be in your life so that maybe you would see the goodness of who he is, but maybe recognize that there's more people around you that are doing this kind of stuff than you can imagine. But as I sat there in that moment, I was so thankful for the opportunity to be able to brag on the people that we get to do life together with. And I know I gotta be careful with that space because we just sang about it, all the glory goes to God, right? But the reality of that is, is the glory goes to God because people see our lives and goes, "Woo." There's something different about those people. And to be able to get your haircut and brag on the people that you do life with, can I just tell you, I don't know that it gets much better than that in life. And this is the kind of people that you are surrounded by in this fellowship. We took 37 last summer. I have no idea how much we're going to take down this summer, but we're going to continue to do things that bring glory and honor to God. Why? Because it gives us moments like that where we get to give a testimony of the greatness of our God and what is seen in the life of the people that are around us. Pastor Larry was talking about this last week. He was talking about what it looked like not only to to live a generous life, but to have generous words. How many of you guys, that struck you a little bit? I remember sitting over there last week and when he was talking about, he was talking about giving, we're gonna talk about that today, but he was talking about the words that we speak and the opportunities that we have to be generous with our words to each other. And something just convicted me in my heart. I need to get better at that. That's something completely under my control. That's something completely that's, that's in my realm that I have something control over. I, I can choose to be generous with the words that come out of it. How many of you guys feel like you can do that? And, and, and I was just reminded by how deep of an impact that that happens in our lives when I was sitting with... A friend of mine here at River Valley this way, last week, I was sitting and having some coffee with Dallas, and we were just talking about this right here, family and community together, and he said he, he has felt the tangibleness of the body of Christ in his life over these past few weeks, and they've been walking through some stuff as a family, but he has felt the tangibleness of God's love and his grace to him because of words of generosity that have been sown into his heart and his life. And I just thought, man, church we got to do this more. Tim, we got to do this more. To take moments to just sow into each other's lives some words of generosity. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on. As you think about the people that you're interacting with and what you're doing in life, we, we, we know that we have lots of different opportunities that come for us in life. And we're in a series right now, a two-week series, and we're talking about a kingdom of generosity. And if I can think of all the things that the kingdom of God is known by, there's, 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 I think some hallmark things that we would think about when the, hopefully when, when people interact with our lives. And I don't want to say what the world thinks when they think about the church because those are (laughs) two very different things. We have not done ourselves very many favors in that space. But here's what I want you to think about today: What do people experience when they interact with your life on a daily basis? Are they experiencing the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is full of generosity and love and kindness and hope? Are they experiencing those things? Because the kingdom of God is at hand in your life and in the world today. The kingdom of God is breaking through through your life and through mine into lots of different environments. And so people are experiencing the kingdom of God and we, we want them to experience the kingdom that they go, man, we want to be a part of that space right there. And one of those things is this principle of generosity. This reality that there's something very different about God's people. God's people should be a people that resemble their God, that reflect the heart and nature of God. And and we see this as part of our core values, really who we are as a church. Many, many years ago, we established some we statements for us as a church that make a declaration about who we are. And here's here's one of those seven we statements. These are kind of our core values. It says, we live generously. We go above and beyond to sacrifice for the work of God. What does that mean? Lots of times we like to put with that dollar signs, and I'm not saying finances in a par. We're going to talk about that today. But there's so much more to generosity than just what comes out of our bank account. There's generosity that comes out of our mouth and our actions and all of those things. And as we talk about the kingdom of God and as we talk about the impact that this church has in the Treasure Valley and in your school and in your workplace, we want to be a place that represents the kingdom of God well. And generosity is just one of those hallmark things that does that. And as I was reading through scripture, I was struck by a story that happened in Luke chapter 21. I want you to turn into your Bibles there with me. We're going to read this amazing story about this this just observation that Jesus has one day when he's just hanging out with the disciples and they're walking down the street. And here's an observation that Jesus has. Look at this. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people drop their gifts into the collection box. Notice that Jesus wasn't condemning anybody in that moment. He was just observing what was taking place. This was a normal, everyday thing. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus had a teaching moment. Jesus paused in that moment. He was with his disciples and he wanted them to experience something about the kingdom of God in this moment. And here's the truth that he dropped in their heart. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Jesus gave us this picture right here into the joy of the kingdom of God of what generosity looks like. He gave us this beautiful snapshot um, and some comparison and contrast here for us, I believe, to learn from as he was teaching his disciples of one of these kingdom principles that would impact their life forever. And Jesus said, look, oftentimes when when we look at the generosity of the people around us, we're, we're, we're looking at it the wrong way. What we need to be looking at is beyond the gift and beyond the resource and beyond all that, and we want to look into the heart of of what is coming out of that person as generosity is taking place. Are they giving just out of their abundance, or are they giving everything that they have in that moment as a gift and honor to God? It's a beautiful picture that, that Jesus gives us here. And he's celebrating this amazing kind of generosity. I could tell you story upon story upon story about people that are sitting around you right now who have demonstrated this kind of generosity. Who've given and blessed and poured out from their lives to the people that are around them, to our community. I could tell you stories about young people who gave thousands of dollars so that other young people could go to a camp and experience the presence of God in their life. Could have a life-changing moment with God. That, I'm talking about a student that did that. I could give you examples of people that are sitting in this room right now who have given away cars, and other resources to other people so that they could be blessed. That's generosity. I could tell you stories right now of families who have lived sacrificially so that other people could experience the blessing of God in their lives. Church, you are surrounded by generous people because we are people who represent a king who's been generous to us. And all too often as we go through this journey, it's easy for us to get into the mindset, well, I've been generous a lot. And or I'm just not sure where there's opportunity. We, we get ourselves oftentimes in the space of generosity where we, where, we, where we get maybe a little tired through it. And I believe this is why the Lord spoke to us and said, hey, don't get weary in well doing." Don't get weary in being generous. Don't be weary in being loving. Don't be weary in being... Anybody here this morning? Don't be weary in these spaces, but let your heart be buoyed with some strength in the fact that we are living out what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like to the world that is surrounding us so they can experience just a little bit of heaven. See, we represent God way more than we understand and way more clearly when we understand than we understand with the way that we live out a generous life. And here's, here's why I can say that. Pastor Larry used this this last week. We love this verse because it's like the verse that's at every football game and we want people to get saved and go to heaven. And, but John 3.16 is really not necessarily a verse so much about salvation. It's really more a verse about God's generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. God's love motivated him to be generous to you. I wish I could look every one of you in the eye right now, but but God's love motivated him to generosity. And the generosity that he expressed to you and I was the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and spend eternity with him. I don't know about you. I don't really care what your bank account says. That right there is enough. It's enough. We were worshiping together earlier this morning with the, the worship team um, in practice. And if we, we talked about this, if God didn't do one more, quote unquote, good thing for you in your life, has He been good to you? If the rest of your life, I, I'm not speaking this over anybody, and nobody's looking at me right now. Uh, if the rest of your life was met with trial and difficulty and hardship and all of those things, will what God has done in your life to this point, would you be able to stand and say, God, you've been good to me. You've been generous to me. Now, I don't know about you. I Sitting here, Doug and I, we can say, yes, amen, Tim, yes. But how many of you know when real life hits, That amen is not always so close. So what God is doing in us is He's cultivating in our hearts and lives an attitude of generosity, a spirit of generosity, a a place in our hearts where the circumstances of our lives don't dictate our generosity. Our generosity is dictated by what God has already done in us. And when we come to that place, when we come to that reality, when we come to that truth... It brings us into this simple understanding that everything that we have in our life is a product of the goodness of God being demonstrated to us. I did not get very many amens on that. Everything that you have in your life, everything that you get to enjoy, warm clothes, a house to live, in, whatever, whatever you have, all of those things has been a product of the goodness of God being poured out in your life. As a matter of fact, if we want to take it another step deeper, all of that stuff belongs to Him. All of the things that we possess in our lives, we think we possess, have actually just only been lent to us by a good Father who is looking for stewards of those things. Don't believe me? Psalms chapter 24, verse 1 says it like this, the most simple way you can explain the reality of our world. The earth is the Lord's. I want to be clear on this. Not part of it, not some of it, not the parts that, that, that he created and we built everything else. No, 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 no. The earth is the Lord's. and he, Just for clarification's sake, it goes on to say, and everything in it. So there's no confusion. I'm trying to just bring some enlightenment to us this morning. There is nothing that exists on this planet that does not belong to God. Nothing. It all belongs. That that, that means you, that means me, that sweet flannel you're wearing today. All of that belongs to him. How do we know that? Because God's word is truth. And when we begin to lean into this kingdom mentality, it helps us to understand this. And it goes on to say, the world and all its people belong to who? Is that verse not up there? There it is. The world and all its people belong to who? Him. Can I just tell you something this morning? For some reason, many times that causes us anxiety or angst. Wait a minute. I don't know if I like that. Can I just tell you that a heart that's surrendered to the Lord, that actually provides peace. Doesn't mean that we're not wrestling with it, but but when we stop for just a moment and go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This all belongs to him. It is all about him. When our hearts settle in that place, then can I just tell you, it takes a lot of pressure off of your life. You don't have to strive to achieve. You don't have to try and earn wealth to have status. You don't, none of those things, the, the, the money that you have or don't have, all of that belongs to him. So when we recognize it, what does that make us? Stewards of it. Because God has entrusted to you and to me a portion of the wealth of everything that he has. He's entrusted to you the home, the family, the children, the cars, the fi- All of that belongs to him. And he's entrusted it to you to steward well. He talks about this all throughout scripture. We can talk about the talents and all of those things that God gives to each one accordingly. That's what he does because it all belongs to him. No different than my kids. I give them all kinds of things. I give them some stewardship responsibilities. I I give them other things to do around our house, to be a part of our our family. And I, I, I delegate that to them in their life, just like the father delegates to you and I the resource that we have trying to get our hearts settled in this place this morning because all too often we're holding on to these things like we own it, like we achieved it. And God's just saying, hey, you can relax. I got this. I gave it to you in the first place. I'll walk with you in the stewardship of it. Just trust me that I'm the one that owns this. It belongs to me. And when we settle that in our hearts, man, it just brings us into a place in life where we can just take a breath and be like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Here's the reality of of what we see throughout Scripture. This has been tested over and over again in the hearts of humanity. I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1. What lie did the enemy try to sow into the heart of Adam and Eve? That God's not enough. He's just not enough. He won't provide for you, so so you need need to do this thing on your own. Does that sound familiar? It's the same lie that most of us have heard repeatedly in our lives. I don't know if God will be faithful to you, so so you just better work a little harder. I don't know if God can can provide in your life, so you you, you better work a little bit more overtime. People, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with overtime. I've worked plenty of it in my life. But when that is where our focus is as the source of our income and resource, we've missed the whole reality of God in our life. He is our provision. It all belongs to Him. And so when we, when we adjust our hearts in that way, then can I just tell you, we look at money and resource very differently. When we look at money and resource as the provider for our needs, then what we've made money and resource is what? God. But when we look to God as the provider of our money and resource, then our money and resource, the things that we, we get to utilize in life, the things that we've been given stewardship of, all of a sudden take on a whole different framework in our life. We don't worship them. We worship the one who's given us those things to steward for him. Are you guys with me this morning? And here's the beauty of what this leads us to. is It leads us to what Pastor Larry was talking a little bit about last week, that money and resource in your life is simply a seed. It's a seed. And what God desires from the seed that he's put into your hand is multiplication. We see it in the principle, right, of of this this reality of the talents. The, The servant that buried his talent, what happened to that servant and the resource? It was taken from him and given to the other one who did what? You guys know this. You You guys, I'm not saying that. And I'm accountable for what just came. No, listen, this, this is the heart of the kingdom of God. I want to help you understand kingdom principle, right? Kingdom principle is God has given seed to us. And what he's asked us to do is to go multiply that seed for what? His glory and honor, right? That his name would be lifted up. So God gives you the resource that you have in your life. He gives you stewardship of seed that he's put into your hand. That's all money and resource is. It's just seed for multiplication. Let me take you to scripture and show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? Generosity in you. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your, and, and when we take your gift to those who need them, they will thank God. So let me break this down for you. God puts seed into your hand, resource into your life, and he says, I want you to multiply that. I want you to do something with it. And what he's saying with it is, I want you to be generous with that so it produces a harvest in the people that are around you and the lives that are around you. I want you to be generous with that because when you're generous with that, it produces, it says it right here, it produces a harvest of what? Generosity in your life. The aim of God's generosity to you is that you would be generous to others. Now I'm meddling, I know. But I'm just trying to teach you a kingdom principle. And many of us know this, and we even operated it to some degree in our life. Can I tell you this morning, this morning is not about like trying to to get you to give more. This morning is about you going, okay, God, what do you want to do with your resources in my life? I want you asking that question as your pastor. I want you asking that question all the time. God, what are you wanting to do with the re- your resource that you've put into my life to steward? God, what do you want to do with that? And I guarantee you, his answer is always going to be, I want you to multiply that. Why? Because that's scripture. He's not going to change his mind. He wants you to multiply that resource that he's put into your hand. And here's the reality of that. We talk about this all the time in, in the body of Christ, when people get funky about talking about money, I'm not going to get funky about talking about money because God wants to bless your life so that generosity can pour out from you. But there is a distinct correlation to walking in obedience to how God functions in the areas of finances and the blessing that can come from your life, the generosity of it. We talk about this word in the church and it confuses people all the time. We talk about tithing. We talk about what, what does that mean? We don't, we don't even take tithes in our services because what we want to challenge you to do is to hear from God and bring tithe to honor Him. If I'm having to motivate you to do that, then our, the, our heart and our relationship with you is in a wrong place. What God has done in your life should motivate you. What He's doing in your life should motivate you. What you've seen Him do in the people around you should motivate you. I cannot artificially do that for you. I can try and coerce, I can talk, but but we've seen the fruit of that in the the Christian world that we have in our world today. There's not good fruit that comes out of it. So what we invite you to do is to go before God and say, God, you've given me this stuff. What do you want me to do with it? And his word is really clear. It teaches us some really beautiful things. The tithe, really all the tithe is about is, is this. Do you believe that God can provide better than you? That's all the tithe is. I'll 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 put it this way. A tithe is a test. Man, there's some sober faces. Guys, it's just money. Come on now, relax. (laughs) A tithe is simply a test from God. Will you put your heart into the place of faith and say, God, you can do more with 90% than I can do with 100. That's as simple as it gets for you if you want to understand that. Everybody's like, well, why is tithe 10%? because the very word tithe means a 10th. I didn't make it up. I didn't write this thing. He did, right? And so he set this into our hearts as this place of just simply a test. Many people believe, I didn't mean to almost laugh right there, but I did kind of laugh. Many people believe that tithing is generosity. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. It's returning to God what he already said, hey, I want you to return this to me. So, so to be clear, and again, we're not strong-arming anybody. I just want you to hear the truth of God's word today. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. It's a test of our heart in that moment. Generosity comes into the place of offering. right? What do we, what do, we do above and beyond? I know there's many people in this room that go way above and beyond their tithe because they understand the principle of generosity. Tithing is addition. Offerings... This place of generosity is multiplication. You'll never experience the multiplied work of God in your life until you learn how to be a generous person, not only with your finances, but with your life. So I want to be clear about that today. We're talking about finances. Last week, we talked about the work of our hand, and the words of our mouth. Today, we're talking about the resource that God has put into your life. So as we think about and as you think about the stewardship of what God's given you, I want to put it into a little perspective this morning. And this is super sobering. I'm just just going to pre-warn you right now. This might be a little frightening to you. Okay? So everybody hold on. In the United States of America, the Christian church has not settled this place in our heart. I can just tell you that right now. And it's not because I'm just like trying to throw some fun things out there statistics prove it to us. In the United States of America, over 247 million people would call themselves in some shape or form a Christian. So two-thirds of our nation. Some of you are like, I don't think so. I, I think actually, despite what our media tells us, there, there, is, there is that many people who have had an encounter around the body of Christ or have, have have been in that space and, and would call themselves believers. Here's a staggering statistic for you. Out of that 247 million, only 1.5 million say that they have ever, ever tithed or do that on a consistent basis. So let me, let me put this in perspective for you. That is .006, and I, kept, I added a few numbers just so it made me feel a little bit better. 607% of Christians... People that would say that they have some kind of faith in their life based on the Bible, okay? And I'm not going to debate with you on the varying degrees of that. I'm just telling you, in our nation, that's where we stand right now. 0.006% even tithe into their local church, the, the place that they would, they would go to. That's pretty crazy. Let me, let me put it to you in this perspective. Can we go to the next slide? If just half of these Christians tithe, it would generate 87 billion doll hairs. Just just pause on that for a second. If the church of Jesus Christ, people that called themselves Christians, just simply did the obedience space of, of walking in relationship, 87 billion would come into the kingdom of God. Now, just so you know, that's only half of that $247 million. So I'm, I'm being generous here, right? Half of that space. Here's what you could do with $87 billion. Can we go to the next one? According to, and this is, these aren't my statistics, this is I, I went out and, and looked at WHO and all these other places that kind of keep tabs on, on how this goes in the world. $25 billion, with $25 billion, we could end world hunger right here today, right now. billion. Some of you are like, well, we just spent trillions on all kinds of stuff as a nation. Yes, we did. And this explains why we have the problems that we have. So out of of that $25 billion, we we could do that. $25 billion could solve the world crisis of clean water. So I don't know if you've ever traveled overseas, but most people don't go to faucets and get clean water out of that space. They're taking out of a puddle or a river or or these spaces, and it's caused all kinds of challenges. No, $25 billion focused into this space could solve the problem of clean water in the world that we live in today. Let's go to the next one. $12 billion could end illiteracy. How many of you think that might be a helpful thing for our world today? All the teachers said amen, right? So I want you to think about this. For only $62 billion, can we go to the next one? $62 billion... We could help solve world hunger. We could get clean water to everybody on the planet. And we could end illiteracy. How many of you would say that those would be things that you would want to contribute and be a part of? Yeah, I, I don't know anybody that would be like, oh, no, we want people to starve. Let's, let's do that. No, no, no. That's only $62 billion. I, I want to remind you that the church has the ability to have generated over $87 billion in that space. I want to present something to you this morning. That God has already given the answer to the need of our world in his people. That he has redeemed, he's bought us, he's purchased us, us, he's shown us generosity, and he gave us a simple principle. Listen to me, this is not all the wealth of the people that would call themselves Christian. This is a fraction, 10% of that. Would be able to do what we just talked about in a split second. Like, think about that. That God's answers to the brokenness of our world already resides in the people that He's redeemed. I don't know about you, but I was sitting there, Jason and I were talking about this morning. I was like, what in the world are we doing? What gospel are we preaching? We have an opportunity. Within, inside the grasp, uh, and this is just in the United States, I'm not talking about globally, I'm just talking about inside the United States, resource to be able to be the answer to some of the greatest problems that have faced humanity at all times. The church has the resource to meet those needs, and yet we don't. We don't. These statistics are not specific to any denomination. I want to be clear about that. But according to Barna report, there's over 300,000 churches that are Protestant churches in the U.S. I want you to listen to this real quick. And over 20% of those churches that we're talking about today that would call themselves in this realm of a Christian, 20% of them will close over the next 18 months. Think about this. The resource that God has put into the kingdom of God and we have over 20% of churches that are going to be closing because for the most part, financially, they cannot make it any longer. And yet the reality of the resource of the body of Christ, the stewardship that God's given to the church means that not only could those churches stay open without question, but we could also meet the needs of the world that is around us in an astronomical way. Now, I don't know about you, but that was, that's pretty sobering to me. When I just stop and think about the invitation that God and the principle that God has given to the church already, this is not a hidden truth in Scripture. This is not one you have to have like deep revelation on. Just simply the resource that God's put into the body of Christ, the incredible impact that we could have in our world. Let me bring it to this today. God will never ask you how your neighbor or the Christians around you have stewarded the resources that he's given them. Never. God's not going to come to me and say, Tim, how did Kelly and Loretta, how did they handle the resources? He's never going to say that to me. He's going to come to me and he's going to say, Tim, I put some talent, some resource, some seed into your hand. How did you multiply that? How did you sow it? Here's the reality of seed. Seed's wonderful in your hand, but it will never produce anything there. Seed has to be sown into a field, into ground, in order for it to produce anything, ever. When you think about the resource that God's put into your life, it was never meant to stay in your hand. It was always meant to be sown into the work that God is doing. And church, for all of us, all too many times, as God speaks to us about these spaces, it's easy for us to play tug of war with God about resource. And it reminds me of like hanging out with my kids, like when my kids find a dollar in my car and they say, can they have it? And so I, yeah, you can, you can have the dollar at yours. And, and they're all excited about this dollar. And then we go to the, the gas station the store and we're buying stuff and I'm short by a few cents. And I say, hey, can I, can I, can I have that dollar to pay for this? And they look at me like, how dare you ask me for my dollar? You gave me this, that is my dollar, right? And it's this moment of like utter shock, like how in the world could you ever ask me for that? You gave that dollar to me. We all chuckle because the reality of it is, that was my dollar. I gave it to them just out of the kindness of my heart. And that one dollar is but a fraction, listen to me, of all the other things that their mom and I have provided for them in this journey of life. $1. Uh. We spent that in like the first six seconds of you breathing air, right? Like, come on parents. You with me? How many times do we do that to God? God's like, Hey, Tim, I want you to sow into this. Oh, but God, come, it's dinner for them. That's going to be like, that's going to be expensive. And, Oh, God, you want me to sew into this student going to to winter camp. But God, then that means I don't get to get this new pair of pants. And God's going, really? Because I'm pretty sure I've taken care of you your whole life. I'm pretty sure that I have the capability to get you another dollar. I never sweat about the fact if my kid's going to get a dollar again in their life. right? It's not even on my radar. I just need the dollar so I can pay the 55 cents that I didn't have in the moment. God's not in need. I'm, I don't want to relate to that. But, but what, I, what I wanted to make really clear to you is that God is not sitting here stressing about this. Man, he, he's just looking for some people who he can go, oh, I can trust them. I can trust them. When I knock on the door of their heart and say, hey, be generous to that next door neighbor. Or, hey, when I knock on the door of their heart and say, hey, I want you to sow into this ministry here because they're going to be planting churches and that means a whole village is going to come to know Jesus and it's going to change this whole region like when God knocks on the door of his heart he's looking for kids that he can go hey can I borrow the dollar for a second so we can multiply this thing out And, and he's looking for the posture of our heart to be yeah you gave it to me of course but all too often what he's finding is that's my dollar God And so he's trying to do some work inside of his church that we have a different perspective, a kingdom mindset when it comes to generosity. God's given us everything that we have. Could we just be generous with it and maybe make a deeper impact in the world than we could have ever imagined? I just want you to know this church could be one of those statistics too out of the 20% that would close in the next 18 months. But because the majority of the people that are here already understand this place of tithing and giving. So all I'm doing is reinforcing something in your heart. But Pastor Jason led us in something this morning. What happens if the limitless God of the universe might want to do a little bit more through us? In fact, Ephesians 3 tells us that he might want to do something that is beyond all you could even ask or imagine. Well, but wait a minute, God. I'm I'm just not sure about this. And God's just going, just give me the dollar already? (laughs) Man, we got this covered, right? And we're playing tug of war with him on these things. And church, I just can't help but believe in my heart that there's something greater that God has for the people of River Valley so that when we finish this race and we get to heaven, we're not like, man, check out the house we lived in. You can have an awesome house. I'm thankful for that. But so that when we get to heaven, we look at God and we say, God, we stewarded what you gave us well. We planted churches. We met the, the needs of the poor that are around us. We helped our neighbor out. We served one another. We walked along each other in life and helped each other out. And God, we wanted it all to bring you glory and honor. And God said, yeah, that's my kids. Can you imagine what that moment will be like when we stand before him? And yet we wrestle with this so much right now in our flesh, and in our life, and when we look at our bank account, what's going to happen with the economy in the United States? And Can I just tell you, I don't know and I don't care. Because it doesn't impact what my Father's resource is like. God has provided for people generation after generation after generation in far worse circumstances than we're facing church. So could we be a people? Could we be an environment that demonstrates the generosity of the kingdom of God through how we live. I want to share with you just a couple things as we close our time this morning that we are already doing, that you're already sowing into to leave an impact in our community and some opportunities for you to continue to do that with your life. We have a couple things that we're doing right now through a local group called Love Inc. Can we throw those up? Um, and we are doing baskets of blessing. We've done this for years. I, I, I don't even know how many years, but it's it's giving baskets out to, to families in need in our community so that they can actually have a Christmas. Uh, I don't know how many of you have actually um, been a part of that. Many of you have donated into that space, but it is an incredible opportunity for us to be able to sow into our local community people that are in need all around us on December is it 4th yep December 4th can you go back oh you, know, you can yep, yep yep December 4th they're going to be putting these baskets together to prepare them to send out to families if you want to be a part of that maybe you're not you're able to give financially into it or some of the resource things but if you want to go have some fun putting some baskets together for families i want to encourage you to do that and can i ask you to do something when you do that as you put those things into those baskets would you just pray for the family that it's going to go to it's awesome to give resource, and that's what we're talking about today. But we also want to sow into those spaces that those people would see and experience the love of God in their life. This next slide shows us some of the things that, that, are, that are still needed for those baskets to be done. And so we want to encourage you jump into these spaces. These are, this is just a fun, practical way right now where we can show the love of God in this holiday season to impact people's lives. We also were just called the other day, and we have an opportunity that they just specifically called us about as a church, that there's a family um, that's in pretty big need at this point in time. And they asked if we would be willing as a church to just adopt a family and help them in this time. And so the answer to that was yes. It's as simple as that. We can't do everything for everybody, but we can do with whatever is right in front of us. What we have right in front, we're going to do our very best to meet those needs. And so as a church, we're going to do that. I don't know what all that means, but here's what I want you to know. There is a family in need that we can have an impact on their lives. And so as a church, we're going to do that. If you want to sow into that, you want to give into that, you want to help that family out, you can contact us here at the church. April will be happy to give you more details on that. Just call the church office and you'll hear a nice, happy voice, April. It's never me that answers the phone. It's always April, Um, and and she'll be able to give you some details on it. But church, that's an opportunity that we have right in front of us. Can I just say that's an easy one for us, to be able to give out of, and I just want to say this, your abundance to help somebody else in need. We can do that right here in our local community. And we also partnered this year with an international work, um, this is uh, Children's Cup And they do work all over uh, kind of Central America and into Africa. And their primary focus is to go into communities and set up feeding programs for kids um, and then begin to kind of pour into their lives through that place. They call them Care Points. And this year, we have an opportunity to come alongside one of these Care Points. It's actually down in Honduras. And uh, we have an opportunity to help them throw a Christmas party for the the kids in the villages that surround this area. Um, And these kids come to this Care Point specifically just to get a meal. Uh, But they get so much more than that. Um, and what we want to be able to do is come alongside of them. And then what they want to do is be able to send a basket home with their kids, almost like baskets of blessing, but some resources home with these kids so that they can have a, a Christmas at home with their family. Uh, that is food and some other really cool things. And we have an opportunity as a church to come alongside and sponsor that. I think it's 1800 bucks or something like that to do this care point. Um, for us to be able to be a part of helping them throw a Christmas. And then there's some other things that we just wanted to help take care of around that care point as well. They have just some, uh, their actual physical locations that these kids come to, and so they're trying to put up some resource around that to make sure it's safe for them. So these are are just tangible things right here and now that church we're already sowing into, and we're inviting you because of your giving to come and be a part of that space as well. There's many other things that I promise you God has put around your life. Can I just put it to you this way? If you were to come and ask me today, because of the connections and relationships that we have in life and, the, and the, just the spaces around us, I could give you at this point in time a, probably a resource list of about $1.6 million that we could sow into, opportunities that we have to be a blessing around the world and locally here. So anybody want to write a $1.6 million check, we can take care of that today. Just come see me after service. You were supposed to laugh at that. It was way more funny. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. That actually happens often, that God would speak to somebody or speak to somebodies to sow in resource so that the kingdom of God can be advanced, so that seed can go out and produce a, a multiplied harvest. There is no lack of vision here at River Valley. Here's what, here's what I want to challenge you with. We, our generosity moves at the rate and pace of your giving, period. I, I would love to say that I can just make money appear out of the air, but I can't. That's not a gift that God has given me yet. If any of you have that, come see me. Here's the reality. God wanted us, listen to me as we close this this morning, He wanted us to be fully engaged in generosity. Not in a token way, and oftentimes people that don't make very much money. Do you know that over 80% of the giving in churches today comes out of people who are in the lower third of the income resource in the United States, 80% is given by the lower third. Why is that? Because most of the time in those spaces, people that have experienced the kind of the hardship that comes in that space also have experienced generosity coming into their life. And so for them, it's it's not even a question of if they're going to give. Not a question at all. They just respond to the need that is around them. And I, I would just, if I could... Posture our heart as a church today as we close this generosity series. I, my prayer for us as a church is that we would be a people that really live into the heart of God when it comes to this space of generosity. That we could reflect the heart of the Father in the world that we live in today. And I, just, I, I love the fact, number one, that this is such a faithful people when it comes to giving. But I also want to assure you that the, the stewardship of that in this house is done really well. And we invite anybody at any point in time, if you have questions or thoughts or concerns about that, you can come talk with our elders team. You can come talk with our business team. We're happy to show you what those resources are going towards. But what we also want to do is invite you into the place of dreaming. What could God do beyond what we have experienced at this time and season? What could God do if we were to be a people that said, God, uh, we, we believe you to do abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Think about that. We're talking about a few families in the Treasure Valley. What happens if God gave us the ability and resource to extend that out? What would that look like? What would it look like for the kingdom of God to come alive in that way through our lives, little church here in Boise, Idaho, the impact that we could make globally with that? Church, there's some really cool things that God's doing. And so I just want to encourage you to, to lean into, and I asked you this at the beginning, to lean into what God is doing. Amen. let me pray over us, and then we're going to jump into our group time because i got some really good questions for you guys today. So I want to challenge you stick around. We're going to spend some time together in our groups. Father, we thank you so much, God, that we have experienced your generosity. Lord, as we sit here today, God, and just contemplate the wealth, Lord, that we are surrounded by, um, God, we just say thank you, or thank you for your kindness towards us, or thank you for the blessing that you've put into our lives. Thank you for the resource, Lord, that you've put into our hands. Now, God, we pray that as a church family and, and as individuals, Lord, that we would learn, Lord, how to be a people, Lord, that take that seed, God, and multiply it, Lord, that take that and see a harvest of generosity, God, coming out of that. Lord, I pray that River Valley, Lord, would be known as a generous people, Lord, who demonstrated the love of God through very practical means in our lives, Lord. And Lord, we just declare to you, God, Lord, in every way that we can, Lord, we will steward what you give us well. Lord, we will invest it into the hearts and lives of people. Lord, we will invest it into life transformation in our community and the world around us. Lord, we're just asking, Lord, that you would... Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing, God, when it comes to generosity. Lord, that we would not be a people that walk by need, Lord, without having our hearts drawn to prayer with you for your instruction, God, of how we could meet that need. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I genuinely do thank you for this church community. Thank you for this family, God, that demonstrates generosity over and over and over again, God. Lord, would you teach us how to be a people, God, that go beyond the addition space, God, into the multiplication, Lord, of what you can do with hearts, Lord, that just simply respond to you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for what you're already doing. God, I can't wait to hear the reports, God, of what you continue to do through the generosity of this house, God, and what you've blessed us with. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.